It's that time. Everything and anything basketball. Presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Furitani Castleman and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. Welcome everyone. Polar Opposites back once again. We missed the Thursday episodes, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to upload this technically Saturday night slash Sunday morning. We're then going to post another one sometime midday Sunday, and then we'll be back again on Monday for regularly scheduled programming. And the reason why we're posting technically three times in three days is because, Cage, so much has happened. We had to record a Thursday episode, tech- technically the Thursday episode on Saturday and Sunday, because just so much has happened since we last recorded last Monday. So we couldn't wait till Monday. We waited till Monday. It was going to be a two and a half hour episode and no one's going to listen to it. Yeah, pretty openly. Much. And that makes sense. So we're going to chop this up. So we're going to start off this one, the Sunday morning episode, we're going to call this. And then we'll call the one we do tomorrow morning, text Sunday morning. We'll call it the Sunday afternoon version. So the Sunday morning version, we got to start with Draymond Green. Draymond Green after, oh goodness, who did he punch? It was Yusuf Nurkic, correct, of the yep. Phoenix Suns he punched in the head. So Draymond Green, who has already been suspended this year for punching or putting Rudy Gobert in a chokehold, got into an altercation with Yusuf Nurkic of the Phoenix Suns where he punched him, basically, he punched him and was ejected. And it's been suspended indefinitely. And I don't mean like, oh, it's like 20 or 30 games. I mean, he's just been suspended indefinitely until he meets requirements set by the NBA. So it is a indetermined amount of time. Kind of like when John Morant was suspended last mm-hmm. year for the um, flashing guns on, on social media. It's basically the same thing. Is He's suspended until the league says he isn't. So we'll see when he does make his return. But... I think, Cage, what's been more interesting to me is all the players. Yusuf Nurkic has come out and said he hopes Draymond Green gets help. Rudy Gobert has come out and said he hopes to get help. And, yes, those are the two guys that he got in altercations with this season. Kevin Durant's come out and said he hopes Draymond gets the help that he needs, so so obviously. I've heard Steve Kerr come out and, and say he hopes Draymond can, you know, figure out what's been going on with his recent outbursts, which I know— isn't as recent, but you could definitely say Draymond's been more volatile recently. So, Cage, I guess I'll start with, we'll start with that. Did you, like, when you saw Draymond getting that altercation with Yusuf Nurkic, what did you think when you saw it? I was like, Draymond being Draymond again. Like, honestly, I didn't think the NBA was going to do this, suspend him indefinitely. For one, I'm glad they did it. But there's just a ton to unpack here, first of all. First of all, I blame the Warriors organization. I blame Steve Kerr and front office leadership. And here's why. They let Draymond's behavior go unchecked for way too long, whether it's kicking people in the groin like Steven Adams. Um whether it's whether it's punching Jordan his teammate Jordan Poole now I know Jordan Poole's got some uh, um uh Jordan Poole's season hasn't not been the greatest but he still can't being, punch a teammate 
And you not still, only punch a teammate, knock out a teammate, might I add. Yeah. You can't do stuff like that. And then stomping on the chest of DeMontis of bonus last postseason. Getting into a Donovan Mitchell. There was a scuffle with Donovan Mitchell in which he shoved him out of bounds. And then Mitchell, not liking what had happened, like shoved him right back. And then the refs actually went back on replay to that. And saw that Draymond had actually instigated all that and tossed him. And then there's the chokehold with Rudy Gobert. And what's so telling about that is his response right after he came back from suspension. He's like, he didn't regret doing that. That, to me, should have been, should have raised alarms in of itself that he did not learn from what happened. To make matters even worse, then there's this. Then then there's him just doing a spinning roundhouse punch right into Yusuf Nurkic, who did nothing. And I'm not liking what the players are saying about Draymond Green saying he needs to get some help. Kind of like painting him as like this victim or like this person who needs to get help. Yeah, he does need to get help, but he did this to himself. He thought he could just get away unchecked. His behavior can get away. He, he thought he can get away with everything and leave his behavior unchecked. Nah, Draymond's not the victim here. Draymond is not the victim here. And I think, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Paul um, Kendrick Perkins was the one who brought this up. And good on the NBA for suspending him indefinitely. I was kind of hoping it'd be the season because, to be honest, they did John Moran way dirtier initially than they did Draymond Green. And Draymond Green's had a history of this. But I'm just not liking how Draymond's being painted as the victim from like the media and the players. I'm like, nah, he did this to himself. He got to get his ish together and quickly. Because if he continues this, if he continues this, Pretty sooner, sooner than later, he might just get blackballed from the NBA. Well, not even that, Cage. What I'd like to talk about with Draymond Green is I agree with you that I wish players would just say, I hope Draymond betters himself than, you know, than the way they've been putting it. Because I do agree with you that it does sort of paint him as a victim when he is doing these things. And he is in almost every case, instigating the problem. It's not like the problem just finds him. It's Draymond doing something to instigate it or or escalate it in some cases, like the Dray- with the Gobert situation. A scuffle yeah. breaks out, and he escalated instead of de-escalated. And my problem with Draymond Green, personally, is not that he plays with passion. Guys that play with passion are normal fan favorites because fans love to see guys that care as much as they do or damn close and Draymond is one of those guys Draymond does care a lot and that is something that you can tell and most fans including myself appreciate and like the problem is Draymond Green takes it over the extreme where he does things 
out of emotion, and they always get him in trouble. The the headlock, the punch, the stomping on Sabonis' chest, the, I think, two groin kicks he's done to Steven Adams, and I believe he did another after that one. He's been in the scope of escalating problems, and I agree with you that the Golden State Warriors should have done more to curve the behavior enough to kind of channel it, if you will, not let him do the thing that he's been doing or costing the team. Because let's also be honest here, Cage. We talk about availability with players, and we will get into some injuries going on right now around the NBA, specifically in Cleveland, especially. But Mm -hmm. availability is very important right now in today's NBA. Him, Draymond getting suspended now twice this season, the second suspension being for God knows how long, is an availability problem. And the Golden State Warriors, who are right now on the outside looking in of the play-in, let alone the playoff, the play-in, mm-hmm. you know, they got to think about is Draymond Green helping or hurting the Warriors more with him not only not playing particularly well, but being unavailable. He is flat-out unavailable. And he cannot be unavailable if especially he wants to be a part of that that original big three with Curry, Clay, and himself. Or even if he wants to be a contributor to a championship team, he has to be available. And he just, for some reason, can't keep himself out of trouble. And it's getting worse. It's not getting better. It's getting exponentially worse than it has been in previous years. And one other thing, Cage, I want to mention that I don't know where this has gone. Draymond Green, when he was a younger player, and I don't mean like when he was freshman in the in the league. His twenty age twenty five year, he averaged fourteen points a game, nine and a half rebounds, seven and a half assists. I believe he made the All Star game. He was twenty five. Okay. That was mm-hmm. easily his best season in the NBA. 14 points, 9.5 rebounds, 7.5 assists per game. Since that moment, when he averaged 14 points a game, he's averaged over double digits twice. 10.2 and 11 points per game in the next two seasons. He has never averaged more than 9.5 rebounds. He's never aver- he's averaged once over 7.5 assists per game. So I could even argue, Cage, Obviously, we know what he does defensively. He's gotten worse as an offensive player since he was 25. Draymond Green's 33 now. He's not going to get any better, you wouldn't think. So he is what he is. And he, since 2018-19, so when he was 28, so about six seasons ago, he's averaged 7.4 points, 8 points, 7 points, 7.5, 8.5, and this year he's averaging 9.7 points per game. That's not enough from a starting from a starting power forward. And I know what he does defensively. I will not argue how good he is defensively. His assists and rebounds are also in the plus. But this year, Cage, they're down exponentially. He's averaging five and a half rebounds per game, easily his lowest since his first two years in the NBA. His assists are 5.8, easily his two lowest since his first three seasons in the NBA. His blocks and steals are both down to their lowest since his rookie season. He just is not playing at the level that outweighs his problems on the floor. A little off the floor. He's having problems on the floor, staying on the floor. And when he's not playing at a level that 
I'll say we as I'll, I'll say the media, but even as like a, as an executive can say he's objectively outperforming even with his problem on the floor, you know, staying available. He's not. He's underperforming and having disciplinary problems. So maybe Draymond needs a change of scenery just to get a new. New fresh, a fresh coat of paint, if you will, just to get a new vibe, a new expectation. But mm-hmm. I feel like Cage, it's getting closer and closer to his days are numbered, in Golden State, because they can't keep him around if he keeps doing stuff like this. And I think for him, I think it's important that Draymond gets a new environment and gets out of what's going on in Golden State, because I think it's bad for him as well. And it makes you wonder, like. This seemingly is just going to get worse before it gets better. Unless he has a kumbaya moment and realizes that he got to go about things differently. Because if he doesn't... He changes his name to Draymond World Peace. And not at the good kind for... uh, And the name World Peace, kind of ironic. But, but, but hopefully this does straighten him and that there's accountability to be and there's accountability not only on his end because it ain't just him. He's been enabled by the Warriors organization too. Let's not forget how complicit the Warriors organization is in Draymond being the way that he is right now. Because if that was put in check, Let's just say, let's just say after game four of the 2016 NBA Finals, you would think they would have put him in check after that action got him suspended for game five and arguably cost the Warriors a championship or at least jump started the Cavs' comeback from down 3 1 in the NBA Finals in 2016. You would have thought that the Warriors would have put him in check after that, but no, it's gone. His behavior, his actions have gone unchecked. You could even oh, say that the Kevin Durant incident. Exactly. The Kevin Durant incident cage. He arguably was the biggest factor in Kevin Durant leaving. Like. The way the Warriors organization uh, organization handled it. And Kevin Durant even said that. It wasn't what Draymond did. It's the way the organization handled what Draymond did. And again, that goes back to what you've been saying, Cage, about the way the Warriors and Bobby Webster, the, the general manager, president, whatever they call him now, I, I think he's left the organization now, but Steve Kerr is under the head coach. Bob Myers? And, Bob Myers, pardon me, not Bobby Webster. Bobby Webster's, I think, the Raptors, but yeah, Bob My- yeah. Uh, Myers. What they've done as an organization has enabled, not only have they permitted, they've enabled Draymond Green to get away with punching Jordan Poole, with driving away Kevin Durant, with... The all the incidents on the floor, the suspensions, the the fines, and again, it's not that Draymond Green is a passionate guy. He lets the emotions get to a level, and then he does illogical, I'll say irrational things. Like, what possessed him to stomp on Demontis Sabonis? What possessed him to fling his leg out and kick Stephen Adams in the groin? What possessed him? to put Rudy Gobert in a headlock? What possessed him to punch Yusuf Nurkic in the head? Like, if they were things that you could explain, you could you could make an excuse for, this is a different conversation. But they're 
unobjectable things that he's done where it's like, but he did them. We have video evidence. We have replay evidence that he's done all of these things and more. And it's just, it's got to find a way to stop it. And I just don't know who could, what could, or if it is just what I think, which I think they need to trade him for the organization's sake and honestly for Draymond Green's sake. Because I really think Draymond Green needs a new ambience, a new expectation, a new organization. Because without changing the, without changing the ingredients of the soup, the soup is going to taste the exact same. So unless the Warriors start changing some of the ingredients, Draymond Green start changing some of the ingredients, we're going to keep getting the same damn soup of Draymond Green getting suspended, doing irrational things on the floor, and costing his team and himself. Same Not sure if the super was worked out, Cage, but it, go ahead. It did. It did. It did. In other words, the same thing cannot be, keep happening because it's getting out of hand. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. But now, Cage, I do want to stay on Draymond Green a little bit, but I do want to move over to something that you did say about what Kevin Durant said, saying he needs help and how you didn't like that. What do you think of guys like Kevin Durant, who's played with him, who has been on his podcast, who do, does like Draymond Green, not just Yosef Nurkic, who respects him, and, and pardon me, Rudy Gobert, who respects him, but a guy who's played with him, a guy who knows him, a guy who, I'll say, has a phone number, you know, saying, hey, you know, I hope he gets the help he needs. You know, does I'll not only get does it give it merit to a, a mental health issue, maybe of some description, but even more so, does it kind of show that other people are seeing Draymond Green's behavior changes, and maybe they're hoping that this lengthy, undetermined suspension will be able to curve some of that. Maybe not all of it, of course, but some of it for sure. Well, based off what former players have said, former players like former teammates of his have said, like Kevin Durant, maybe this isn't out of this. What has happened more so with Draymond has been more out of the norm than has it, it has been before. Now, let me go without saying, they're not technically wrong, but that can't be the narrative on them, like. When I when I've seen all when I've seen these comments, I'm like, yo, is this one a, are they are they trying to like help him curb his drug addiction or something? Like, yo, like, like something that he can't control. I'm like, yo, he like at some point, like, he's got to hold a he's got to hold himself accountable, and he hasn't done that. So technically, they're not wrong in saying that he does need help because, like, yeah, like. He does need help to get this under. Uh, he he does need help to figure out what's going on and to curb all his actions and all and his behavior to a halt. They're not wrong in that, but that shouldn't be the leading narrative. I just hate how that how people are running with that as the narrative. Like, nah, you gotta get your ish together in order to get back onto the basketball court. 
Well, we'll see if Draymond Green can get that figured out or if it continues to persist as a on-the-court slash off-the-court issue. Um, I will end with this, Cage, with Draymond. Mm-hmm. How long do you think this suspension will last? Do you think it's going to be, I'll say, because, again, it's not, it's indeterminate. It's to-be-determined-later type of deal. So we really don't know how many games Draymond Green could miss with this suspension, just like we didn't yeah. know when a, a John Morant was suspended last year. We don't know. This could be, you know, five days. This could be the rest of the year. It is very much up in the air. But what would you think, Cage, as just a a game total? How many games do you think Draymond Green will miss before the NBA will allow him back? Obviously, I know it's about whatever their guidelines are for the league, whatever expectations they hold for him or whatever. But just for a bold number, Cage, what would you say that number you'd think will be how many games Draymond misses this year? With this particular suspension, do I? What do I think based off of what the NBA is going to decide, or what do I think, or both? I'll, we'll go with we'll go with NBA first, and then you can say what you think. Same amount of time, same amount of games they gave John Moran, twenty-five. He's been a repeat offender. Now, what I think they should the rest of the season. Rest of the year, if they, if you really want to make a statement, if you really want Draymond to learn from what he has, because this has been years of, years of unchecked behavior and years of him being enabled, suspend him for the rest of the season. Maybe then that'll click that his actions have been like are costly. To me, that my that needs to happen. To me, that more or less so needs to happen. But either from 25 games to the intensity of the rest of the year. Well, he's already missed two. He was suspended after the Suns game. They since played the Clippers and the Nets, a win and a loss. We'll talk about that, uh, we'll say tomorrow. But in the next episode, we'll talk about the, um, the game roundup and what teams have looked like since we've last spoken. Yep. But I would think the NBA will... Probably, I I would think the NBA is going to let him play by either the end of December or halfway through January. I think he'll miss about a month of games, would be my guess. A max about a month of games. So I'll say, just quick count, it's got seven games left of December, it looks like, and then... I'd say probably 11, well, well, counting 11, 12 games in January. So I would say he misses probably 15, would be my guess. And I think that's excluding the two he's already missed. So 15 more, so 17 probably total. In my opinion, that's probably what he'll miss. If I was in charge and I could say, Draymond, I wouldn't suspend him for the whole year. I think that's a little excessive. I do agree with you, Cajun, that... They do need to curve this uh, this behavior. I think it's been unchecked for well too long, as you've mentioned. I would say I'd suspend him till March. He hasn't played any the the rest of December. He's done for January. He's done for February. By the time we get to March, and the Raptors they play play in Toronto on the first, he'd be allowed to play to Toronto. He'd be allowed to fly to Toronto and play on that road trip of Toronto and Boston. 
but um that would be my my suspension would be just tell the start of March and then he'd be able to play the last two months of the year and then into the playoffs would be my thought but we'll see what Adam Silver and the NBA does with Draymond Green and I'll say if but when or if we see Draymond Green again this year will really be in the hands of the commissioner of the NBA. But now moving on to something that we're going to mention because of the controversy around it, not necessarily the game, because again, we'll talk about that in the next episode of what we've seen most recently in the NBA. But Giannis Antetokounmpo had himself a 64-point night in a 140-126 win over the Indiana Pacers for his Milwaukee Bucks, who are second right now in the Eastern Conference. That 64 was a franchise record and a career high for the Greek freak. He had 64 points, 14 rebounds, three assists, four steals, and a block for maybe the best player on earth. I've heard the debates. I know where my eggs are, Cage. I think I know where your, egg, your eggs are, but no one will argue Giannis is probably a top five player in the world any given night. Mm. But he wanted the game ball. Career night, franchise night. They were in Milwaukee. He wanted the game ball. Indiana Pacers had taken the game ball because one of their rookies, older rookie, but still a rookie, number 24, year old, number 44, Oscar Shibway of formerly of the West West Virginia before he transferred to Calipari and the Wildcats. Shibway got his first point of his NBA career on, I want to say it was a free throw because he literally scored one point and it was a free throw. So the Pacers took the ball for the rookie. Obviously Giannis was not happy with that. So, Cage, I guess my question would be, where do you sit on that debacle? You know, Giannis has the career night, the franchise night, but Oscar Sheway does get his first NBA point. Do you think the rookie gets the ball, or do you think the vet gets the ball? Because I, I know what I think, but what do you think? You know what? I'm going to let you talk about that, because, like, on any given night, it should be the rookie, but if you drop a 64-piece like that, a franchise record, you got to get the game ball because that's a pretty damn impressive accomplishment or kind of communicate along the way and figure this out. But go on. I personally would say it goes to the rookie regardless because Giannis has got game balls from his last career high, from you know his first points in the NBA. Oscar Shibley don't got that. And he'll never score his first NBA point again. You maybe could say he could take his first NBA point at home, but that doesn't change the fact. I'm not arguing it wasn't in Milwaukee. I'm not arguing that Giannis didn't want that that darn ball. But I would think, even if it's only a free throw, that they give the ball to Oscar Shibley. But I'd also argue that, like in hockey, the moment Oscar scored that free throw, they should have stopped the game and took him the ball and then had a new ball for however long the game was going to be. Because they know they have more than one ball in the in the rotation in an NBA game. My goodness. They have more than one ball. 
So mm-hmm. why not just use another ball and give Giannis that one? Or I'll say give Oscar that one. Basically, figure out a way to get two game balls so everyone gets what they want. Kind of like when a kid scores his first, second, and third goals and gets a hat trick, he gets pucks. Like, they use more than one puck. So why don't they just use more than one ball? I know you get more than one ball. I've done high school basketball games. I've watched college basketball games. I know you've got more than one ball in the rotation. Just use them both. So you're out $100 in basketballs. Well, well, well. The billion-dollar franchise can't afford two $50 basketballs. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the oddball with your kids. But I, I think it goes to the rookie, but I think they should have found a way to use both. You get two game balls involved and just have both teams take their game ball and go to the bus in peace without Giannis trying to hunt down the Indiana Pacers. That was ridiculous. You go in Mariah but in cage. Maybe that's just my opinion. Maybe that's just my thought. But anyway, now moving on to, I'll say probably the last thing we're going to talk about. I haven't really decided yet. We'll see if we feel like we got time for the 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 alternate last topic. But I think this may take us the rest of the show just because of, you know, what this all means. The Cleveland Cavaliers have been, in the last couple of days, have been killed with injuries. The 14-2 and two team ninth right now in the Eastern Conference, just had a big injury uh, report with Evan Mobley and Darius Garland both being added to the injured reserve. Mobley with arthroscopic knee surgery is expected to miss eight, six to eight weeks, and Darius Garland fractured his jaw is out for multiple weeks. So that's two starters on a decent Eastern Conference team that you would have thought would be better than 14 and 12. They've struggled this year, you definitely would say. Cage, I know I would say they've struggled so far this year, have the Cleveland Cavaliers. And now you're missing your starting point guard and your starting power forward. It's going to be tough now for the Cavs to keep that nice in the East, you'd think. You would think so, but they just had a big win over the Atlanta Hawks earlier today. Um, good news. It, it's it's tough. It's tough because um, uh, Evan Mo- Evan Mobley having arthroscopic knee surgery, which is a bummer because he's one of the premier young talents in this league, and then Darius Garland, who we both love as well, suffered a fractured jaw after running into Kristaps Porzingis, and he played through that game. So it's going to be a war of attrition for these for this Cavs team. It's going to be a war of attrition for this Cavs team, but they do have a decent amount of depth to kind of offset it, even despite their underwhelming start. Even in spite of that, because they do have a guy who can start who can st- who has started for previous teams in Karis Levert and Craig Porter has been a good piece for them off of the bench too so I think they'll figure this out I think Cleveland will figure this out and they'll be just fine 
They also like, got also- Isaac Okoro, who used to start for them cage. So he'll also probably find his way into the lineup somehow, some way, with Donovan Mitchell taking over fully the point guard role. And obviously, Karis Levert fitting in at either the two or three spot, and Okoro maybe fitting in somewhere also around there. The power forward spot I do think is going to be a problem, especially as you mentioned there, replacing a really talented young guy and Evan Mobley, former top draft pick by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I don't know who is going to take over that spot. George's Niang might be the best option, you'd think. But I'd also honestly mention Imoni Bates. Imoni Bates might get a lot more minutes now because of a guy like Mobley being out. Mm-hmm. He very well could. And I will also mention Cage. With all that being said, I also want to mention, I believe Karis LeVert's also been out recently, as my fantasy team will attest to. So again, the Cavs just being ravaged by injuries. And another big injury that came out today, Phoenix Suns have had like four games with their big three as Bradley Beal is out again and is likely out for multiple weeks with an ankle injury. So Bradley Beal, who had some problems in, in Washington, has just not never been healthy, really, for the Phoenix Suns so far this year. And it makes you really wonder if Kevin Durant's second chance at a big three is also going to not really be fruitful for him, just like the last one wasn't. And it's just unfortunate because Beal started off that game against the Knicks very, very well. But just could just can't seem to stay healthy at the end of the day. Landed on Dante DiVincenzo's foot after knocking down a three, got fouled in the process as well. And man, it just like it just sucks. It just sucks to see them suffer like that. And it's just it just sucks to see injuries just ravage the league, especially a guy like Bill who's had an injury ravaged year and was starting to come back and whatnot, but Injury is really getting into the way of his of his Phoenix Suns tenure, and it, it just sucks. It just sucks. Like, hopefully, he gets back healthy for the rest of the year. But to be honest, I don't know how that's. I, I, to be honest, he's just he's just had a really bad run of injuries, and it makes you wonder, like, for Kevin Durant, like. Is it deja vu all over again, like what happened in Brooklyn? Hopefully it isn't the case, but you you just have to wonder at this point. That you do. I want to mention Bradley Beal has played six games this season. Yeah, six. That was three games in December, December 12th, 13th, and 15th against the Warriors, the Nets, and that whole four minutes against the Knicks, as you mentioned there with the injury. He played three games in November, the 8th, the 10th, and the 12th against Chicago, L.A., the Lakers, and OKC. So, 
it also adds to he hasn't played really well this season in those six games. He's averaging 14 points a night, his lowest of his career. His three-point percentage is really good at basically 43%. His field goal percentage, though, is basically the same at 44%. And his assists and rebounds are down. That does also add from coming from a team that he was the number one option and really the only option to being, I'll say, the third option on a team. That, that definitely will hit all of those categories. But never beginning in a rhythm because we talk about rhythm and, 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 you know, game shape and stuff like that. He never hit that because he never been healthy enough. You can't play three games and be in game shape. Like, it takes time to get yourself back into, you know, I'll say even say NBA game shape, but just game shape, feeling comfortable again on the floor, especially when he's on a new team, in a new system, with new teammates for the first time in his career. He's only ever played for the Washington Wizards. He's now on a new team, in a new system, with a whole new group of guys, in a whole new role, and he's never had a chance to get comfortable because he's always been hurt. So... We don't, even know, we don't even know what the Suns could look like come playoff time because they've never been really healthy enough. And mm. Beal continuing to get hurt will affect that even more because if he is healthy to play in the playoffs, which you'd think as that baton is well down the down the track, you'd think he'd be able to. But still, will he be effective because will he be able to A, fit Leroy plays, B, be able to mesh with the guys, and see fit the system that they want to run. Like there's a lot of variables for the Phoenix Suns that are also as a team with all the injuries to Booker and KD and now Beal again. You know they're only 14 and 12 right now, 10th in the Western Conference. They've really struggled this season as a team, and I think Beal is kind of the personification of that with the injuries, with the not great play. It, it's just been really a tumultuous start for the Suns, and I don't know if it gets better or when it will get better for the Suns because they put a lot of eggs in the Beal, Durant, and um, Booker basket. And right now, it hasn't exactly been the best bet so far. Mm. It really hasn't just makes you wonder like like the sons who once had a bright future like what's going to happen to them cuz he traded away Mikael Bridges just to get Kevin Durant in the first place um so you got to figure this out you got to figure this out if um if you're Phoenix cuz you're all in right now and you got a fine line to find timeline to get this together. You really have nowhere else to go for Phoenix because, as you mentioned there, Cage, the injuries have really, really costed them. And we'll see if they can, I'll say, get healthy and stay healthy. Two things I want to mention before we go. We will leave the officiating problems that, players and teams have been dealing with this year for tomorrow when we do the NBA and NCAA roundup. So we'll start with the officiating woes, we'll say, with some recent ejections. Nikola Jokic, the best player on earth, in my opinion, being ejected against Chicago. He's been ejected now twice this year. Jason Tatum's been ejected this 
Jalen Brown's been ejected recently. A lot of guys have been getting tossed for not great reasons, in my opinion, but we'll get into that tomorrow. Two things, Cage, before we go. Michael Jordan headlines the inaugural Bulls Ring of Honor class. So the Bulls have now began a Ring of Honor, and obviously Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest player ever, will be enshrined with a plethora of other people from the 72-10 and 10 championship team of the Chicago Bulls in 1995-96. All 13 guys on the team, as well as Jerry Krause, the GM, Phil Jackson, the head coach, and uh, Tex Winter, the assistant who famously created the triangle offense that Phil Jackson used and popularized. And nice to see the Bulls, I'll say, honoring a great team and arguably the greatest team ever in the 72-10, Bulls. It's a nice gesture, most definitely, by this um. Clipper, uh, well, this Bulls team who really have not had much going on for that, going for them. Although they have shown a bit of life with um, Zach Labino, shout out to Kobe White and Patrick Williams. But um, it's a great gesture. MJ has obviously meant a lot to the Windy City, and it's only right they honor him the right way. I lied. Now I have two things left to mention. This I, I just found, so now I do have to mention this because this is definitely interesting, Cage. Something that maybe changes my tune a little bit about the in-season tournament. The inaugural championship game of the in-season tournament, Cage, drew an average of 4.58 million viewers, peaked at 5.68 million viewers. So make sure I say those averages again just in case I messed that up. They averaged 4.58 million viewers. They peaked at 5.6 million viewers on the championship in-season tournament game. That is the most people who have ever watched a non-Christmas NBA game since February of 2018. That is amazing for the NBA and maybe shows that maybe I'm just a stick in the mud. Maybe the in-season tournament is a good thing. Because if it's garnering that many viewers, can't really argue with success, Cage. Mm-hmm. Can't really argue with it at all. I did have one other thing I wanted to mention. And now I just can't seem to find it, Cage. Go a little too far. Apparently. I will quickly mention Draymond Green joined the 25,000-point club. You mean James Harden? As the Clippers continue to roll. James Harden, pardon me. I'm not sure what name, name I did say. I meant James Harden. I was looking at James Harden. James Harden hit 25. <laughs> how does that, that not surprise me? James Harden hits 25,000. <laughs> did I do it again? No, you didn't this time. Okay, good. James Harden hit 25,000 points as the Clippers continue to roll this season, which is definitely not bad to see for a team that has had, obviously, its rules. And here it is, Cage. I, I knew I, when I saw it, I'd know what I wanted to mention. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar underwent hip surgery after breaking it at a concert. So, our thoughts out to the legend that is the former most points ever and Hall of Famer and maybe even arguably greatest player ever, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
hopefully a speedy recovery. Obviously, at his age, at 76 years young, it's not necessarily going to be an easy recovery, but hopefully Mr. Abdul-Jabbar can make a, a, a good recovery from his broken hip after falling at a concert in L.A. on Saturday. You would have to hope so. You would have to hope so. And um, I just, like, pr- um, our thoughts go out to, to Cap. Um, and he's one of the greatest players of all time. Um, really paved the way for a lot of these bigs. Really lived up to expectations, even after, like, being having sky-high expectations coming out of UCLA. Um, hopefully he makes a speedy recovery. That'll be it here for us. So for the technically Thursday edition on a Saturday or slash Sunday, thank you for joining us. For Cajun Theru, Thanny Castle, my Spencer Byers, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, I did polar opposites here on the Air Ray Jenkins.